Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? I know I am. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, your host for this episode and everything Alex Garrett Podcasting. And this podcast specifically focuses on topics that should be trending. And, well, you know what they say, right? Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. Well, that line means so much to me. Find out why next on Alaskara Podcasting, where we wear that shoe proudly. All right, well, I am Alex Garrett, and that is my brand new intro to the podcast, Alex Garrett Podcasting. And I wanted to unveil it and, uh, yeah, just kick it out there, see what it sounds like. So I hope you like it. But before I get to my Sunday pod guest today, I've got a couple things I want to riff on. Firstly, it looks like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is on in New York City, which is pretty awesome to talk about. Um, because, you know, we weren't sure what the fate of that was, but they're going to do some virtual things with it. Look. I know Santa Claus is probably uncomfortable in that, uh, you know, robe and everything as he heads on the sleigh with the reindeer coming to Herald Square. Well, maybe you'll finally have him on Zoom and he can finally be comfortable uh, during the Thanksgiving Day Parade. We'll have to see. Uh, And maybe the reindeer have to mute their microphones while also on Zoom with Santa uh, as they quote-unquote hit Herald Square. I jest, but it's a great thing that the parade is on. Christmas tree lighting in New York City at Rockefeller Center will be on. And uh, I I heard Governor Cuomo has some advice that if you're going to trim the tree together in your own home, it's best to do it from the other room. That way you're more than six feet apart and you can still trim the tree. It's a perfect solution, isn't it? But the biggest thing this morning that I, I was listening to overnight As if 2020 isn't crazy enough, it's now being told by NASA that an asteroid is headed toward Earth before the November election. On Saturday, according to The Hill, NASA reported an asteroid is headed toward Earth one day before the U.S. election Uh, this year. Though the chances of impact are less than 1%. Scientists believe, uh, labeled the asteroid 2019-P1, and data reveals it is 0.002 kilometers, or about 6.5 feet. First discovered in 2018, and uh, there are three potential impacts based on 21 observations over the course of 12,968 days. Determine the chance of impact is only 0.41%. Apparently it will pass Earth on November 2nd in the eve of the election. So NASA, thanks for uh, talking about this. I'm sure that gives the Democrats more of a reason to push for mail-in voting. Which again, I think people who can't go to the polls or fear for the safety of the polls should be mailing it in. Uh, But I just know that there's going to be another rallying cry of why we need to uh, get the ballots 
mailed in. We'll have to see. But right now, Joe Bonilla, you know, you and I go a few years back now, uh, mutual friends with Mary Alcordy, and now you find yourself on Alex Garrett Podcasting. How are you doing, Joe? You know, Alex, uh, again, it's, it's good to uh, good to speak with you. And, yes, we've known each other for a while, and, uh, you know, Mary is a great person. It, I'll tell you right now, it's been a an incredible um, and just, you know, absolutely just, you know, wild last few months, you know, we're, I'm based up in Albany, you know, so, you know, all of the, you know, from the original part of, you know, finding out that, you know, this virus is here, uh, you getting to the points where, you know, things are beginning to shut down, then navigating clients through, you know, what do you do to recalibrate your, your business, your, uh, your organization through this. And then now as, you know, at least with the numbers here in New York uh, state, that the numbers are low enough to, for us to begin, begin to reopen. So we're working with, you know, various clients to, you know, get reopened safely and, and soon. So um, it's been a, a wild, a really wild time. Um, now, you know, I, and we've, I, and I'll tell you, I'll, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I want you to finish that, but I want you to be clear that Joe is actually on the liberal side. So if you think, well, he just wants to rush reopening. No, he's very commonsensical, liberal or Republican. Anyway, he's very commonsensical. So I wanted people to know that, that this isn't just a crazy, you should reopen. No, we're, we're being very methodical with this, right, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. And, and being reasonable about it, you know, in industries that we work in, again, not, not every single industry is going to be able to be reopened. You know, there's, there's a difference between obviously having uh, restaurants that have proven that they can safely reopen, uh, movie theaters are, are next on the, on the docket right now, which, we, which we've been working on getting um, them properly reopened. The industry has a great plan to reopen safely, uh, maintaining social distancing, contactless ticketing and concessions, among a whole host of other safety procedures. But, you know, we also represent, you know, performing arts uh, venues uh, upstate, you know, the Coast Music Hall, the Saratoga Performing Arts Center. Uh, and those and those venues, I mean, there's it, it's a little bit hard right now to figure out how do you bring back uh, concerts, um, you know, and, and things of that nature where you have, you know, five to 10, 25,000 people. How do you do it in a safe way? And so, you know, we're looking at obviously what the you know the data shows, the science shows, um, but also we want to keep, you know, our patron safety at, you know, paramount importance. So. Yes, you know, yeah, I um, am one where I, I want, you know, we have clients that employ people, you know, and, you know, the longer, um, you know, some industries, such as the movie theater industry, remain shuttered, um, you know, there are, you know, tens of thousands of jobs in New York State at risk. You know, there's a lot happening in the movie theater industry, um, the exhibition industry. Um, the federal government actually had removed what was called the Paramount Decree, which prohibited movie studios from owning movie theaters. Um, you have now movie studios releasing films on streaming platforms. So the exhibition industry is truly in an existential crisis uh, at this stage. And, you know, the one thing that we can do um, is reopen this industry in the state. And, you know, the, you know, there are 42 states right now that have movie theaters open. But without New York or even California reopening theaters, studios will actually not release any films until those two those those two states are reopened. So, you know, New York theaters have to reopen, um, but we can do it safely, and we want to make sure that we can provide the best entertainment value for the best dollar. We're we're talking with the Joe Bonilla on Instagram. He's at Relentless Awareness. 
uh, man, I guess you have to be relentless. And do you feel like you have to be relentless you gotta be. <laughs> against this governor or in partnership? Where do you find yourself? Are you against him? Are you trying to work in partner? Like, what's that relationship like with, with government through all of this? You know, it's one of those things where you have to be collaborative. You know, there. Yeah, I think particularly with this with this governor, um, and you know, wherever you are in the spectrum, I think that the governor deserves credit at the beginning of this, at least you know, keeping basically getting New York's numbers down. Um, obviously, there were you know certain challenges, certain uh, mistakes, if you will, that you know came through. I think it, it it was invariably you know going to happen given um, you know what we are learning about this virus, but. Um, you know, as we're getting now to the point where New York's numbers have been, you know, keeping steady, you know, we have actually, you know, we have done more than just flatten the curve. We have kept the numbers down. And so, you know, at this point, we have to begin to, you know, restart our economy, you know, get people back to work um, because the long term damage here, um, you know, obviously it's going to be economic, but it's also societal, you know, where from schools, businesses, everything across the board, we need to get people back. Well, we got to do it safely. And I think, you know, for, you know, some industry that we work in, again, the hospitality industry, movie theaters and of the like, we can reopen them safely. Um, update school districts, for the most part, can reopen safely. Long Island school districts, the same thing. And, you know, part of it, too, is, and this is something where if you observe the governor, um, you know, intently, and especially, you know, us in Albany, we have to because, you know, the state pretty much controls, you know, most aspects of our everyday life for, from one way or the other, that we have to just look at what the guidance is. And, and one thing that we do for our clients is, is interpret what the Department of Health or if it's another agency with a state like the State Liquor Authority or Empire State Development, you know, what do those guidelines mean for that business or that organization? So, um, you know, we, so to answer your question fully, Alex, and yeah, we, I think we work collaboratively, um, you know, with his office, you know, they've, you know, at least for what we've worked with them, they've been responsive. Um, but you know, we, we just need, you know, clear guidelines. Yeah. And I would say this one thing, I, I would always love if more than just a couple of days notice can be given when they're going to reopen the industry, you know, sure. it, just because, you know, the governor says, Hey, you can reopen restaurants or, Hey, you can reopen movie theaters. It's going to take time to bring people back to work, retrain them, get PPE, uh, get everything in place. You know, it, it just can't be done uh, with a flip of a switch. And so we saw that with that. I know you're traveling. So where do we find you? Because it sounds like this job's taking you crisscross and across the state. Uh, and, and the geographics yeah. is important here, too. Right. So Western New York is not New York City. And I think people have to understand that a little more clearly if they. But I'm still grappling with the city mayor, who's kind of rebuking Governor Cuomo everywhere. But geography matters here, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, I've been every aspect of the state from, you know, Long Island to Western New York to the North Country, you know, here in, in New York City as well. And, you know, every every part of the state is, is grappling with this situation in different ways. And, you know... We saw at first when, when you know, things were shut down, at least upstate, I mean, there were numbers, but they were never the, the same level um, that, we, obviously, we, you know, we saw in New York City or what we saw in other metro areas across the country. Um, you know, so for upstate, you know, folks were, you know, quite frankly, um, they didn't believe any of this was real until they started seeing, you know, or hearing from friends who, who lived downstate. You know, they were like, why, why do I need to wear a mask? You know, why do we need to shut down? And then 
um, you know, slowly, you know, they, they heard of people in their own communities um, that had uh, this virus and, you know, if they were able to recover, which most folks do, uh, and, you know, without any sort of long-term damage. But then you hear about um, the other folks of, you know, uh, long-term damage or they're still trying to recover. Um, you know, obviously, they're part of it, you know, people passing away. You know, we had, um, I have a good friend who's a, a roommate tenant in my, my house where, um, this was back in April where he got the virus. And so, you know, why had the quarantine at least had a precaution because, and that was like when I'd be like, oh, this thing is now here. You know, it's not just a, a New York City thing. It's now up in Albany and now it's everywhere. And so, you know, and how we did it was like, oh my God, you know, you, you have, you know, you have the virus, but you know, he made a full recovery. He's fine. He's doing well. I mean, he had a little bit of like just trying to rebuild his strength, but you know, that's where, you know, we, that's where the difference is. I think the perception is that um, because we have rural and suburban communities upstate that things like this don't happen. And, you know, unfortunately that's not true because, you know, it can be anywhere. And so I think people have taken it more seriously. I've been seeing more masks out there uh, upstate because for a while you didn't see it really whatsoever out there. So, well, and so I've been begging the mayor to give us the keys back to New York city. And maybe you've been partnering with just like the West New York Cinemas, I guess there's an alliance up there. The New York City Hospitality Alliance also trying to wake up the mayor. Uh, have you been part of that project at all? No, I, I've been seeing what's happening down here. I think that this is where um, that overlap of you know what New York City can do versus what New York State will allow. You know, these are where the inevitable um, battles are, and you know it's no secret to anybody that. Uh, you know, Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo, you know, are, they're not the closest of the folks, you know, <laughs> in, in terms of a lot of, it, 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 it seemed like they were, yeah, it, it's a lot, it's, you know, it, it's classic political theater, right? And so, um, you know, we look back a few months ago with, with schools, you know, and, you know, the mayor had insisted on keeping the schools open. The governor was like, no, you got to figure out a plan within 24 hours to, um, you know, shut down the schools and all of that while still providing food for, for children and things of that nature and, and meals and meals of that in that way. But, you know, um, no, you're, you're right. I think, you know, there needs to be a lot done for New York city. I think there's things that, you know, you can't blame the state for everything. Um, there's things within the mayor's control that certainly could be done, um, that he needs to, to focus on. And yes, look, you know, he has another, uh, you know, year and a half in the term, you know, this is, a, this is an opportunity for him to, you know, make a legacy, if you will, that's not going to be a detrimental legacy um, by when people assess the de Blasio administration. Have you been, you just said you were in New York, so how often have you been in the city and how uh, are you saddened by what you see down here and the emptiness that, that are, that's evident? Yes, yeah, so I've, been, I've been down here twice. Uh, I was down here in April, I'm down here now, right? And in April, it was just, you know, you didn't see anybody on the streets. It was almost like I am legend. Uh, on the streets. And, you know, when I came down now, um, you know, a lot of folks would make the, uh, you know, the joke in the station that the, you know, the New York Post and these and other outlets are, you know, in, basically, you know, trying to cry. It's, you know, it's Armageddon here. And, you know, they're saying that everything's fine. Look, you know, um, my family's from Brooklyn. You know, we remember the, the squeegee man. We remember what it was. Um, in the late 80s into the early 90s. And you, and even coming back, you know, down, you're going on to FDR and you're, and you're seeing uh, a different city. Um, you're not seeing the same city that was uh, even a year ago. 
Um, you know, you, you have folks, uh, you know, you have a lot of homeless folks and, you know, folks that, you know, are at risk uh, on the streets. You know, things are not as clean as they used to be. Um, so there, there needs to be, there has to be a way um, to to resolve this and then, you know, begin the city's, you know, um, you know, recalibration, you know, to, to better success. So, you know, again, as I mentioned, the, you know, the mayor has a lot of things in his control and his administration's control um, that they can do to begin to, you know, reopen things that, that they need to be in, and, and, and at least at, at, at minimum uh, handle quality of life concerns. Uh, and as we look at what has happened over, you know, the summer, I mean, this year has been a wild year, right? Um, we look at with criminal justice reforms, um, and there has to be a point where, you know, look, you know, the, the mayor is a pretty unabashed, um, you know, progressive Democrat. And by the same time you run a city, so, um, you can't have one or the other. And, and you know, again, have your cake and eat it too. You can't bash the, you know, again, be calling for, um, you know, police reform, some of which is needed, some of which is like, it, you just can't do. Um, and have the morale of the NYPD really be at all time low. You can't do that. Um, so there's a lot that has to be done here. And, you know, even though, again, you have a year and a half left of this term, how much can actually be done? And for folks who are looking to run next year, whether it's Speaker Johnson, if, if it's Scott Stringer, whoever it might be, um, if it's Katz, um, you know, that's what they need to start be able to put together, at least publicly. It's like, what is that plan for the city? You know, where can we go where, you know, when we look at where New York City has, has gone in the last 30 years, and now we've gotten to a point where it's an inflection point where it looks like what the city looked like in 1990. Um, where can we bring the city back where the success of the city in terms of, you know, having the city clean, again, low crime, things of that opportunity how can we move forward and bring it back, but bring it back better, right? Oh, I just want to be and sure. so that you what, said cats, right? Like cats and matitas? Yes, yeah, correct. I work with him daily, so I don't know if you know him, but I will uh, send him well wishes. I don't know if you've, you've, you've worked with him before. I'm sure you have. I mean, he's very influential in the whole city and state. Oh, he is. He is. And again, he, again, you look at what a leader would be um, that would be necessary. And you need somebody who has run a a successful organization like, uh, like John has, um, you know, maybe, and again, when you look at the success of the city under, under mayor Bloomberg, you know, you had somebody who ran a large organization and was able to put the best of business into government and still had government that serves all people. And so we need that kind of thinking again. Um, the mayor, you know, mayor de Blasio has been, he, he was, he was left under the man, uh, a mandate. He had a great message at the time, the tale of two cities. Um, but now it, this is something where, you know, you have to be able to, to fix some, some you know, self-inflicted wounds here about bringing this city back. And so I think, you know, the mayor has an opportunity to still enough time on the term, but you know, if you're running next year, you know, whoever's running next year, you know, this is the time to begin to really vision where do you want your city to be? in the next 10 years, 20 years, and then forward, you know, for, for families, for, um, for all people in the city here, you know, whether you're um, working class or the elite, you know, you want to make sure you have a city that can, that can respect everybody in that way. And uh, by the way, John Katz, uh, I, I just texted him, I'm interviewing him. So he's, uh, he's, he's well aware. Anyway, um, Joe, the DNC, you know, I want to turn this to that part of the conversation too, because you've, 
threw up a picture of Joe Biden and you shaking hands, and he does seem like the guy that everybody wants to know, and he wants to get to know everybody. Um, but the, the DNC got a, did a good enough job at trying to solve the small business crisis, or was it all just talk? Where did you, what did you see from that, and what's your experience with Joe Biden? So I, I met Joe Biden uh, six years ago in Albany. Um, you know, Governor Cuomo had him up for for an event regarding infrastructure at the New York State Capitol. So I had an opportunity to meet him right there. And I can say for at least the, the few moments I was with him, um, you know, what you see is what you get. You know, he, you know, he, I always say this joke that it's true. Um, when I met him, I said, uh, you know, hey, my, my name is Joe. He's like, my name's Joe, too. I'm like, of course your name's Joe. Like, it was just like, like, like one of those sort, sorts of jokes. But, you know, I, I think, look, you know, um, I think Vice President Biden has um, at least put empathy back, um, you know, on the table here. I think, you know, the president has, um, you know, been given a lot of opportunities to, to rally and unite the country. And, you know, I think it, it, this is going to be one of those elections where we don't know what will happen, right? You know, there's, there's polling, but we know what the polling showed, you know, four years ago with, with Hillary. And now with uh, many more states adopting um, mail-in ballots, it's nothing, I, I have no issue with the mail-in ballot. I think mail-in ballots are fine. But um, we, you know, we've worked with candidates who just went through you know, the, the first round of like a mass mail-in ballots here in New York state. And the issue is, um, the counting, um, you know, how fast can you count ballots? Um, there's two ways of counting ballots is either by hand, uh, or it's by a high speed machine. And so my, my whole thought with this is, you know, where will we be on election night? I, yeah, I, and for, for the country, um, where, whichever way it's ultimately going to go, whether it's going to go for Biden or it's going to go for Trump, um, to have that sort of, you know, uh, anticipation of election day and not to get an answer on election day, that's going to be the challenge here. You know, what will happen, uh, in those days and weeks after? Because, uh, by law in some states, you can't open those ballots until a week later. So, you know, depending on how many ballots are going to be out there, we may not know at least a, a a, a president elect or at least, a, or a, uh, you know, for the reelection of the president, we may not know that until you know, early December, which would be still in time for, for, for Congress and the, and the electors rather um, to actually vote for the president. So, you know, that's, you know, so going back to, to Joe Biden, I think it's, it's really anybody's guess. I think, you know, he uh, has provided at least a moderate vision uh, for the, for the country um, empathy or for anything. And again, he has a incredible life story with all the tragedy that, that took place in his life. Um, you know, he's a man of faith, you know, all of this together. Started, by the way, um, brain aneurysms. I mean, people seem to forget about that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I mean, you look at everything that's happened in his, in his life and for him to still be able to move forward. I mean, that's the, the whole thing. And again, losing, um, you know, losing his son, Bo, um, you know, to, to cancer. And after almost losing Bo when, you know, he first got into this, the Senate, um, when his, uh, is now late wife and their, you know, the daughter and, and also Hunter were in the car, um, and they had a, an unfortunate car accident that they, where you're supposed to be, you know, um, celebrating, you know, becoming like the, one of the youngest ever senators, um, elected. 
and you start off your term under tragedy. Horrible, horrible, and yeah. horrible. But but you know the other factor that no one's really discussing, and I still think it is because they're both in their seventies, uh, is the health factor. That, I don't that know. Is, oh, it, yeah. It, yeah. It, there is such a long time to go between yeah. now and November. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and you know I think that's you know my issue with you know I think it's the state of where we are. I mean you have. Uh, Biden seventy seven, uh, Trump seventy four. You know the other candidates that were running. You know, look at Elizabeth Warren um, or Bernie, or Bernie Sanders. Bernie. I mean, they're that's how crazy this thing is. Right. Yes, and the thing is, you look at um, where this country was going. You know, wherever you are with you know at least with President Obama, at least in terms of the generational shift, it was like, all right, we are we are now kind of we're going to leave the. The early baby boomers, you know, and we're going to now move, you know, generationally forward. And now you have, um, uh, with President Trump and that, or with Vice President Biden, you have uh, two guys born in the 40s um, that, uh, again, you know, they're both in their you know, mid to, to late 70s. Right. Uh, a lot can happen. Yeah, a lot can happen for both of them. Um, and so certainly that... It's amazing that Trump can do all these rallies. You know, he's not slowing down at all, which is pretty impressive. You got to say that. Yeah, no, I mean, he he has his own energy. Um, but I've even seen this with him, too. Like, um, you know, both uh, Vice President Biden and President Trump are not the same people that they were 10 years ago. Um, the the president, his, the way he speaks as well, you know, has gotten a little bit um, more gravity as the years have gone through. Maybe again, it, you know, the, the presidency is the toughest job in the world, um, and so just like having to be on all the time, yeah, that that can be a factor. So, yes, the president still has the energy. Both of them have energy, but you know, the energy needed uh, for this job is is incredible and profound, I, I and that's why you know, I, yeah, I, and that's so, why I'm, I'm. No, no, go for it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, and that's why I'll at least put it this way. Both vice presidential, vice presidential candidates, whether it's Vice President Pence or Senator Harris, at least, again, you know, they're, they're that next generation that should be taking the mantle. You know, they're, you know, the vice president is 61, Senator Harris 55. You know, that's where we should be going, at least in that sense. So, like, I'm glad that Vice President Biden chose someone like Senator Harris because at least it wasn't um, Senator Warren, which... You know, nothing against Senator Warren, but again, she's in her early 70s. Joe, I couldn't imagine that. But you know what also is, the, a lot. Of, I'll be honest, a lot of the time when Trump spoke, uh, some of the, a lot of things I found in these speeches always made sense. But this year, he just seemed so rattled by this, and he didn't know how to really deal with it. And I just felt like that was a part of his downfall, if, if there's going to be one this year. It was that he couldn't handle the grasp of this and the magnitude of this, it felt like. Yeah, and that, right, and it's one of those things where, um, you know, the pre- I've, I've, you know, I've written about this before. I said the president is um, one of the greatest communicators uh, in, in American history. Mm-hmm. There's a way that he's able to, yeah. There's a way that he's able to distill, um, you know, messages. The country economically was doing well um, up until up until March. And so there, there again, that was, it was a lost opportunity, um, for the president to not message this the right way. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that he has to, you know, again, there's, 
as we're still going through, you know, the, you know, this part of the pandemic, there's still opportunity for him to, um, you know, recover on that side of it. I think, you know, we, no, nobody's rooting against the president or rooting against this government to, you know, to fail in this pandemic. This is, this affects Democrats, Republicans, independents, no, no matter what. And so what we need is just, you know, I, I would have, I would have liked to have seen, um, instead of sometimes like, this inflammatory language, like, look, we got to collaborate here. We got to work together. And yes, the, the federal government was working together with states, but sometimes it's just like, we can, we can do this easier. We don't have to have this battle sometimes. And so that's where, you know, for me personally, I'd like, you know, again, it was a, it was an opportunity to, to rise above this, become more statesmanlike in this way um, for the sake of the country. And there's still an opportunity for him to do that. By the way, as we're talking, the house just passed a $25 billion Postal Service bailout, that would uh, block reform. So we'll see. I guess the Senate probably will reject that. But yeah. back to the president and, and that messaging, um, I, I guess he should listen to you because you're, you're, you're the spokesperson, right? So you would know about the messaging. And you're right about things that could still be corrected. So much so where I still say my vote is a game-time decision. And I feel like you would accept that answer. Maybe someone on the far right may not or the, you know, on the left may not, but I just think it's a game time decision right now on how we vote. Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly again, that messaging is key. I mean, when we work with uh, political candidates, we have to, we have, we give them the good, the bad, the ugly in terms of how do you message, you know, whatever office you're seeking. And for, for president Trump, it's, you know, there is an opportunity here to, to, I mean, again, this is a president that wanted to be, um, in whatever way, a, a wartime president. This, this is a war that we are waging against a virus. And this is where, do you become a president like a, you know, a Lincoln or an FDR, or do you become a president like a Herbert, you know, Herbert Hoover at the beginning of the Great well, Depression? So there's... Hoover did at that point. Right. You know, and so these are things that, you know, in terms of messaging and like looking at what he can do, he's got to just continue the route. Again, there's there's parts and there's been points where, um, you know, the president has risen to particular uh, occasions, particular moments, but it hasn't been consistent. And that's been the challenge here. And so there are, you know, less than 70 days before this election. Um, It's. It's, you know, something where, as Alex, you mentioned, the game time is for a lot of voters. Um, and, you know, the next 70 or so days, I mean, the, the Republican National Convention starts this week. Um, you know, the Republicans are going to put out, you know, what their messaging will be. Um, and for them, it's it's so important to, again, show, yeah, I would say this, the, the Republicans need to show that they take uh, this seriously, um, that they have a plan. And, again, a lot of uh, Republican governors have taken a seriously look at um, you know, the governor of, of Ohio is a great example of, you know, what Ohio has done, Governor Massachusetts, Charlie Baker. Um, you know, so those are the, the voice I would love to see. And hopefully they get some, some convention coverage because that, that, those would be the ones that people want to see, they, the leaders that they know and trust in their communities. And well, the president has to be able to embrace the plan of that. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He started his uh, RNC bid pretty well yesterday calling it you know joe biden sees darkness i see brightness i thought that was a great way to message for him so we'll have to see now one other issue which i can't let you go without asking about because you might represent of course uh, honestly represent nursing homes 
uh, in the state. Have you had to do any crisis management for home for the nursing homes in this uh, state this year? No, we, we haven't. And yeah, I think that's an area where, um, you know, there is a lot there because, you know, um, there are state controlled uh, nursing homes, there's private facilities, there, there are county owned facilities. And I think it's a situation that we still need to, to look at, um, you know, where those challenges are. I think it's, you know, I think nobody's going to discount um, the fact that it was a, um, you know, it's incredible sadness about how many uh, seniors and, and other folks uh, passed away in, in nursing homes. So I think we, we need to look at once, you know, again, once the dust settles and we, and we look at what needs to be done here. And I know state legislators uh, on both sides of the aisle, um, you know, grilled uh, state health, health commissioner, uh, the state health commissioner pretty aggressively um, recently. So there's, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're good, as we begin to get out of this pandemic, those are things that I would hope to see that, you know, what could we have done differently um, specifically? And, and again, looking at, at it across the board, not just state facilities, but um, private and county facilities as well. Um, what could have been done to prevent the, the level of death? Well, Joe, you're, you're pretty popular on social media. You're out there. But I got to ask you this. I ask every guest this nowadays. One thing that maybe no one knows about the Joe Bonilla. Oh, that's a good question. What is one thing uh, that people do not know about me? Um, hmm. I don't know. That is, you know, you you actually you made me so speechless for once, right? Um, I think the one, I mean, there's a couple of things probably. Um, yeah, I think the one thing that folks do not know about me is uh, I've done a lot of theater, actually. Um, you know, and I've uh, actually have written shows before. I don't really talk about it that often because you know I'm not the the greatest actor, but yeah, that's one thing I love uh, doing is being on stage. I mean, of course, you know. As somebody who's in PR and communication, you have to have that that sure. desire to be in the spotlight. Um, I've done that. I have all, I've actually also um, produced a film in uh, in California that actually won I think about forty four awards from festivals across the country as well. So that's one thing where I don't really talk about it, but I've gone out to festivals to support it as well. So that's one thing people don't know about me is that I, I'm actually you know I may represent folks in these industries, but I'm actually in the you know industry as well. That is so cool. And uh, I just found on Twitter someone like my thing called imdme.com. I got to investigate that because it's sort of like a platform for actors that aren't really getting accepted by IMDb. It gives them a platform, which I'm very interested in, uh, just to get yeah, more that... actors. Because, you know, the actor life is so str- – everybody's struggling, and the actors are getting hit hard, too, with this. So that's important to talk about. Oh, my Lord, yeah. Oh my lord! I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know, with everything shut down, productions being shut down. I mean, this is where um, yeah, the fear of an end of film entertainment comes up because when you look at uh, how easy it is to produce a a reality television series, um, you know, it was yeah. I think we saw a peak about twenty years ago with reality with reality programming, and then there was like that golden age of television that came through with Breaking Bad and Mad Men, but. Now it's like if you can't produce a, a film entertainment and you have to get people back, you know, if you are a studio or your production company, are you investing money into scripted entertainment or are you going to go the easier route but still, still bring in the same amount of revenue um, doing reality-based um, uh, 
entertainment and programming. So, you know, just like I talked about, about movie theaters, you know, um, filmed entertainment is certainly at risk right now. Joe, I do want to touch back on that um, movie theater uh, fight that you guys have going on. Um, where can people find out more about that information and how to help out our, our neighbors in Western New York? Sure. So for, for across the state, you can go to cinemasafe.org, um, the National Association of Theater Owners, uh, along with 315 exhibitors that put together a, a list of guidelines and protocols that each of them will be ascribing to. Um, you know, you can call your legislators you and call the governor, um, because obviously even, even if you are listening in, uh, New Jersey, um, we have the same issue there too, where the theaters are still shuttered. So, um, you know, reach out to your local, uh, your local state electeds and, and also the governor's office and let them know that, you know, we have to reopen our cinemas now, uh, in New York and New Jersey. Well, I'd love to have you back after the RNC, maybe talk about that messaging, just like I had you back after the DNC. And, uh, and then we could talk about indoor dining, too, if you're representing uh, any of those who want to have indoor dining. It's about time. So maybe you're, talk you're helping out those folks as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for indoor dining, um, you know, one of the things that we were telling our clients is because it was at one point we were seeing the enforcement go up from the state liquor authority that we, we seriously thought, Indoor dining, because we had heard of a, a handful of you know points where you know folks were being infected with the virus and there was exposure, that indoor dining was on borrowed time, and we thought you know sometime this month it would be shut down. Obviously, in New York City right now, there's no uh, indoor dining; it's only outdoor dining. Uh, rest of the state has indoor and outdoor, Long Island and upstate. And so, um, you know, we're hoping. I think you know, at some point, uh, in New York City, indoor dining has to reopen. Uh, I think what we've seen is that the rest of, of the state has done it successfully um, and done it as successfully and safely. So I think we, we can take the lessons that we've learned across the state, whether in Western New York, the capital region, Long Island, take those, you know, those lessons that we, in terms of reopening uh, safely and smartly and apply that to, to New York City because there are, you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of hospitality and restaurant workers who, Again, as we get, you know, we don't live in Florida. We don't live in California. It will get cold here. Uh, we got to reopen indoor at some point. And I'm hoping that, you know, I know Mayor de Blasio was mentioning it, you know, recently, um, but this is where that state and city collaboration needs to come together um, for these restaurants to reopen. That it could actually close down again, which I find really just, that would be. A yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, that, that would be, that, be, that would be. Yeah, that that would be a tragedy if, if you know things had gotten to a point where things could shut down again. Um, I think right now we are on the right course. There's there's no need to shut down. Um, you know, any industry that has reopened, obviously, I think the one thing we're going to be paying a lot of attention to on Monday will be gyms and fitness centers and yoga studios. Those um, will be reopening starting on Monday, uh, depending on how their local county has provided any additional guidelines. And so let's see how those guys do. Let's see how gyms, fitness centers, yoga studios, and the like reopen. Can they reopen safely? Will there be spread? I mean, it's a little bit different if you're doing a yoga studio versus, you know, like, let's say CrossFit um, or any of the HIT workouts. So let's see. And then I think as we begin to reopen these last um, components of our economy, at that point, there's, there would be really no reason to prohibit uh, indoor dining in New York City any further. 
Joe, as I said, please come back next week, and maybe we'll have a summary of oh, absolutely. this and the next thing. And by the way, off air, if you're in the city tomorrow, I am too. So we should link up to outdoor dining or something if you want. If you're free during the day, I'm I'm free for a while in New York. So let's link up. Yeah, no, for, for sure. I'll hit you up. And uh, at the Joe Bonilla on both Insta and Twitter, or where? What are your socials? So my handles are the Joe Bonilla on Instagram, uh, Joe underscore Bonilla on on Twitter. Very cool. I'll follow you there too. So this has been uh, the Sunday Pod with Joe Bonilla updating you on everything. By the way, he's with Relentless Awareness uh, Messaging and and what can our politicians do better to make us feel comfortable. He seems to have a lot of the answers, and I love it, and he's going to come back with us next week. This has been the Sunday Pod. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you soon. Joe, that was uh, 